1: kids are starving in japan so eat it just eat it don't wanna argue
0: i don't wanna debate don't wanna hear about what kind of food you hate
1: you won't get no dessert till you clean off your plates
0: Obviously, Weird Al Yankovic meant this as a fun parody of the Michael Jackson song Beat It and an opportunity to do a fun music video that involved food and gluttony and all sorts of other things like that. But in listening to this song and uh, reading through the book that I've been reading through the last day or so, you really wonder if that's the FDA's motto. Well, let me tell you about Dr. Renee Defoe. She is an incredibly seasoned professional. She's got a doctorate in health education. She was an environmental health officer for the National Institutes of Health, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the FDA, when all of a sudden she started seeing some things at the FDA that didn't exactly sit right with her. These days she is a leader in the field of what's called nutritional epigenetics, and the author of the book, Unsafe at Any Meal, What the FDA Does Not Want You to Know About the Foods You Eat. Dr.
1: Defoe, thanks for joining me on the radio. Hi, Frank. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share information with the public. So before we talk
0: about what's in your book and what's in our food, more important, give folks a little bit of an idea of your history. In a nutshell, what did you do with the FDA and uh, what did you see at the FDA that you weren't exactly happy with? What led you to become a whistleblower?
1: Uh, well, my job at the FDA was primarily to decommission uh, contaminated properties to identify where the contaminants were and, and then develop work plans for the mitigation or removal of these contaminants and these were e, uh, FDA properties and a lot of them were research laboratories so uh, you know I liked my job and and I and I was allowed to do all kinds of you know projects research projects looking for mercury and plumbing systems and whatnot and uh, one thing led to another and I was invited to uh, do a presentation on the mercury cycle by the United States Geological Survey uh, group at a conference. And, you know, so during my investigation of the mercury cycle, uh, I added to my knowledge at that time and accidentally found uh, the possibility of mercury in high fructose corn syrup. And so I uh, tasked uh, FDA law enforcement Investigators to go out to different corn refiners and get samples, and then had them tested for mercury and found mercury in about half of them. And um, so, anyway, when I wanted to report those findings to the public, in you know through uh, publication, uh, the uh, the FDA Center for Food Safety uh, administrators at the time basically told me that, that that I they wanted me to cease the investigation and. Um, you know, I was denied the use of the data that I collected. They, even though the t- taxpayers paid for that data, uh, they want they kept it internally. They wouldn't let me use it. So you can't report something if you don't have any data.
0: And what was, so the ra- I, w- sorry, what was the rationale on the part of the FDA for not making that public? I mean, the FDA is supposed to look out for our best interests and the best interests of public health. Why wouldn't they want that known?
1: Well, I, I would imagine that the public would have been uh, concerned. And the uh, narrative is at, at FDA has always been that the food supply is safe. so you can't they don't want uh information like that you know mercury and high fructose corn syrup at that time the average american was consuming 60 pounds a year of high fructose corn syrup more you know maybe a pound of broccoli and 60 pounds a year of high fructose corn syrup that's a potential large amount of mercury exposure and um so they didn't want that out and i ended up deciding to retire and and I had uh, samples that were set aside that were collected with law enforcement uh, fda law enforcement chain of custody procedures and I had the my my uh, immediate boss supported uh, my uh, tr- transferring those samples uh, to a different government agency for safekeeping uh, and um, you know those samples were later released to a university after I retired and that's how we were able to to go ahead and publish those findings by re- running these, this uh, second set of samples from the same sources, if you will. So, uh, anyway, the bottom line is, uh, FDA didn't want the information mm. out, and why I don't know, except that uh, it's all political. You know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of what uh, any government agency can or can't do is based on a what the con- congressional uh, what congress says they can do through acts of congress or uh you know and then and then uh, there's a lot of corporate influence because the corporations uh contribute to to uh campaigns right so the corporate influence the corporations are considered stakeholders at fda and they have a say about uh everything <laughs> so Uh, Like any, on any given committee, uh, a safety committee on pharma, a new drug they're looking at or whatever, any kind of issue, you'll have several corporate uh, uh, representatives and then you'll have one consumer representative, right? (laughs) Uh And so the corporations have a big say about. Uh, the policies and and what goes on at FDA.
0: I want to um, follow up on what you said on corn syrup and um, mercury in just a second. But I notice in reading through your book, you spend a fair amount of time focused on uh, pesticides. Now, I was always under the belief... Now, I, I don't think it would shock anybody that consumption and exposure to pesticides, which is designed to kill living creatures, is probably bad for humans. But I was always under the impression that the Rachel, that the uh, that the book Silent Spring by Rachel Carson, which I actually spent a fair amount of time talking with William Shatner about when I met him, and he, because he talked about what an eye-opener that book was for him. I was always under the impression that after... After the publication of that book, that marks some sort of a new era in pesticide safety. But uh, it sounds like that might not be the case. Are the pesticides that we're exposed to regularly still very harmful to humans?
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rachel Carson's book, Silent Spring, was about birds that were not hatching. So the bird population's were declining and the springs were becoming silent, no chirping, okay? But uh, what we're having is uh, serious problems in our uh, children and their ability to learn as a result of all the pesticides and the heavy metals because they work in together, co-exposures, these co-exposures to various agents in our food supply that work together to suppress important genes and prevent our bodies from staying healthy. And uh, prevent our children from developing healthy, frankly. So uh, the problem has not been resolved. It's gotten worse. It's worse with each generation. We're now seeing transgenerational epigenetic inheritance of autism and ADHD. You know, so uh, what mom is eating uh, before she gets pregnant and, and during her pregnancy, she's passing on her heavy metal levels to her infant. And she's passing on her gene behaviors to her uh, child so that if she's pre-diabetic, uh, her child is going to uh, have difficulties uh, uh, with uh, glucose metabolism. Or if she has diabetes, then her child could very well be pre-diabetic at a very early age because of the programmed metabolism that she's passing on.
0: You, you alluded to the high fructose corn syrup and mercury within it. And uh, I'm concerned about high fructose corn syrup and have been for a long time. And I've looked into this a bit, not necessarily for mercury purposes, but more for things like obesity and diabetes and things of that nature. But uh, folks are going to ask because I get warned about mercury all the time because I am quite fond of seafood and and sushi. And I, and people always say you should. Stay away from that because there's too much mercury in there. And then I always get a whole alternative bunch of people that send me articles showing that the mercury levels that's in a lot of this food, it doesn't necessarily have a demonstrated impact on, on humans. What research can you direct folks to that show that the mercury levels that are in high fructose corn syrup, for instance, are harmful?
1: Well... Well, I've published several papers with collaborators. Uh, if you did a keyword search on mercury and processed food, uh, you would find several papers by myself and other researchers. Uh, there, it's a well-known fact now. I mean, U.S. Congress uh, issued two reports in 2021 about the heavy metals in the baby food. Two reports. You know, that was the United States Congress. So, the the problem of heavy metals, including mercury, uh, is Widely known now, ways more so, when I first published the mercury in the high-fructose corn syrup, that was the first inkling, really, that there was a problem. And I'm not talking about methylmercury, which is in fish. I'm talking about inorganic mercury, which is deliberately added to cornstarch to prevent uh, the breakdown of the uh, starch during the process. So, you know, I mean, we're talking inorganic mercury here. So these heavy metals, inorganic mercury, lead, lead, arsenic that are routinely in our food supply we are getting uh co-exposures so you know we're just now finding out that these co-exposures are are uh, devastating to our health and to our children's health and no one was looking at these co-exposures and Mm -hmm. how they impact the way our genes behave until now and that whole field is called nutritional epigenetics
0: if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Dr. Renee Defoe. She's the author of the book, Unsafe at Any Meal. It's available on Amazon and uh, most places that books are sold. We, we've used the term heavy metals a couple of times here. I, explain, clarify that for our audience. What are heavy metals?
1: Um, heavy metals are there a, a certain number of squares on the periodic table in a little Column, <laughs> and all it means is uh, it's through by the atomic weight, uh, and so they're heavier than other metals. Okay, and metals are just um, a name for certain atoms, like uh, you know you've heard of copper, gold, silver, aluminum, uh, mercury. You know there's there's off uh, different metals, and those that are heavier uh, in weight, atomic weight, are called heavy metals. And, and the uh, uh, heavy metals that are toxic to humans, in other words, they, 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 they don't have any use for our body, our lead and mercury. There is absolutely no use. They're foreign agents. You have other metals that are closely related and uh, could be considered a heavy metal, but there's a, a use for that metal in the body. Selenium, it's a nutrient but it it binds one-to-one to to mercury. So in fish, for example, if you have more selenium than mercury in that fish, then that fish is less likely to be toxic to whoever eats it. If in your diet you have more selenium than mercury, then, uh, you know, there'll be certain uh, uh, proteins that will function better, and the mercury will do less damage.
0: One of the things that uh, I know people that worry about pesticides and chemicals and processed foods tend to do is they'll search for organic foods, even if that means paying a little bit more. Even though that I know the the definition of how something gets labeled organic can sometimes be a little tricky. Where are you on organic foods, uh, Dr. Defoe? Do you encourage people to seek them out?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The food that I encourage them to seek out more than any organic is wheat. And the reason why I say that is because the amount of wheat that Americans eat on average is close to 90 pounds per year. You know, that's compared to broccoli, maybe two, five pounds, four pounds a year. Okay, so there's all this wheat that's in bread and crackers and cookies and everything, refined foods. So if you're going to have wheat, you want to have organic wheat because it will not have any mercury in it, and it won't have any pesticide residues. So uh, that's a good way to protect yourself from from a you know from um, a good exposure you know a, a high exposure to pesticides and uh, heavy metals as far as the wheat goes because there's so much of it that Americans eat. So that's the one thing. Uh, you can buy your organic flour and you keep it in the refrigerator and it'll stay good for a long, long time. Because it doesn't have any mercury or uh, pesticide residue in it, it, you have to keep it in the refrigerator. Conventional flour, which is bleached, will have residues of mercury and it'll also have uh, residues of malathion organophosphate pesticide. And if you, you put that on the shelf, it'll last forever because it's poison. You know, you can't get anything to grow in it. No mold or no, – and the eggs, they're – right. It's like Wonder
0: Bread. It's, uh, it'll yeah, be for, the, exactly. f- the forever food, right? Uh, or a right. Twinkie. Um, so what um, – you mentioned a couple, the, the bleached white flour and things like that. What other foods, give me kind of a top three villains that people should always avoid if they don't want, if they want to minimize some of the metals and some of the toxins that are in our diet. Give me, what's your top three villains?
1: Well, aside from the, because you have to look at how much people eat of a certain thing to determine dose. Okay. So how much you eat of something is going to indicate how on, uh, how bad bad it could be for you if it has toxic substances in it. So the next thing I would uh, say is any of those synthetic food colors, yellow five, six, red 40, that um, they all have allowable heavy metal levels, 10 parts per million lead, uh, one part per million mercury, three parts per million arsenic because they're made with petroleum, which you get from the ground. Okay, so those petroleum-based food colors you want to Completely eliminate them from the diet. And um, the other thing I would go with uh, is the. uh, I have all of these different, there's lots of different uh, tables in my book that share the different uh, food ingredients that you want to stay away from to reduce or eliminate your uh, heavy metal exposures from processed foods. And I'll uh, encourage people to buy the book, and there's actually a. study guide that called nutritional epigenetics that goes with the book.
0: No, that's uh, and, that's terrific, and people yeah. uh, can get the book "Unsafe at Any Meal" at uh, at Amazon, and uh, they could also get it uh, at a lot of other places. Books are sold, including your website. What about foods that we should work to include more of? What foods are most Americans not eating enough of that would maybe uh, help beat back some of the onslaught of heavy metals and processed foods, and what that's doing to our health?
1: Well, P- Americans are eating 70% of their f- food supply is ultra processed. So, uh the the advice I give is to learn how to eat whole foods, learn how to cook with single ingredients and uh, avoid the processed foods, the highly, you know, the ultra processed foods. And people need help to do that. They need they uh, often uh, young people don't even know how to cook. And you'll see recipes online where they're telling you to to add processed food ingredients like taco seasoning that you buy at the store, which is outrageous. You need to make your own taco seasoning with uh, single ingredients like cumin and and, and, uh, oregano or whatever. And so the, the kids that are learning to cook today are learning to cook. With basically the equivalent of hamburger helper, calling that, you know, uh, a home-cooked meal. So people need to learn how to to cook from scratch using single ingredients, and if they need uh, help learning how to do that, there's, uh, you know, I mean... uh, they can learn a lot from reading my book and and, uh, and D- doing the workbook, the study guide that goes with. Doctor, I've used them both in clinical trials to change diets. I, I, have
0: successfully. To, I, I have to run. I'm way late here, but I just have to ask you one question. There's a big debate over labeling of genetically modified foods. As far as you're concerned, should genetically modified foods be forced to be labeled as such?
1: Well, I would want them to be labeled if I so, were
0: yeah, on Same here, same here. <laughs> and do you stay away from them?
1: I don't know. I yes, I do. I I don't buy any uh genetically modified. I buy single ingredient whole Foods. Got it. Carry All right.
0: It. Uh, Dr. Renee defoe the book is Unsafe at Any Meal What the FDA Does Not Want You to Know About the Foods You Eat. Thank you for joining me on the radio. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation? You're welcome to do so. 800 848 9222. 800 848 9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
1: The Other Side of Midnight. midnight, 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 midnight.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently